about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. You're a knockout, a podcast for your inner badass. <laughs> What's up, knockouts? Welcome to episode seven of your knockout podcast. My name is Rachel. I have a very special guest today. It's my brother-in-law, Ryan Swiger. What's up, Ryan? Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? <laughs> doing great. Uh, side note, we're back here at Timeless Recording Studios. Shout out Timeless. Shout out Moranis Moss. Back on the ones and twos. What up? What up? Um, but yeah, Ryan is my brother-in-law and I wanted to have you on. You said you've never done a podcast before? I don't know if I have or not, but... We'll, we'll say I haven't, and this will be my first. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'm honored to be your first podcast appearance. Uh, so, yeah, tell me a little bit about yourself. There's a lot to tell, but um, I guess the interesting thing is uh, I'm a magician. I invent magic tricks for magicians that you see on TV and have toured all throughout North America and Europe. Uh doing magic tricks and lecturing for other magicians. So that's kind of cool. And then I've known you since you were in high school. So <laughs> crazy times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell me tell me uh, about me in high school. You in high school, um, drama queen. <laughs> <laughs> so your hair looked a little different than it does now. Oh, God. Yeah. And um, I remember that you had a business class and you had to do a business plan for it. And I ended up doing that for you. I don't remember this at all. It was a bar in Destin. (laughs) Of course it was. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Of course. So I had to uh, basically figure out all the financials and do the executive summary and all that stuff and uh, basically helped you pass high school. Hey, thanks for that. And yep. then here I am owning a business and you did my <laughs> business plan project for me. I never wrote a business plan for my business either. I mean, I'm sure you're not surprised by that. No, not at all. Oh my God, dude. I remember that class too. And you know what's funny when I remember, I don't remember that, but here's the only thing I remember about that class. One day we came in and he was shaking everyone's hands mm-hmm. and everyone was shaking their hands normal. And I did like this weird thing where I like, grabbed the top of his hand because I didn't know how to shake hands. And I thought it was just a man thing. And I was like, I don't know what this is weird. And then he gets in front of the class and everyone settled in. And it was like a test to like teach you the importance of handshakes and what it means. And like to be confident when you greet someone. And he's like, yeah, I don't know what wrist was doing with this overhand handshake thing. And then I was so embarrassed by that. And ever since then, I fucking hate shaking hands. That's all I remember about that class. You were just ahead of the curve. <laughs> Let me just palm. People weren't ready for the uh, (laughs) fist bump, you know, slap jive handshake that you were throwing down in Harrison. Oh, my God. Yeah, Harrison just couldn't handle my weird. Um, Okay, so let's talk about your magic some more. Um, So I always like to brag on you because you don't really, you're like super humble and you don't brag on yourself. Tell me some people that you've done magic for. Um, I guess I'll... One of the funniest ones is uh, Snoop Dogg, and I'll tell you how that happened. I was working at a magic shop in downtown Cincinnati, and uh, I believe it was Lollapalooza was in town, and Snoop was headlining Lollapalooza. So I'm working the magic shop, 
And all of a sudden, like all these guys, like big guys with suits and little bow ties start coming into the magic shop. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on here? And there were a ton of them. And there was a, a lady and her son in the store and they politely asked them to leave. And then these guys were just standing there and I'm thinking, what is up with this? And all of a sudden here comes Snoop just strolling in the store. Oh my God, that's and so dope. all these guys with, the suits and bow ties were like his entourage <laughs> slash bodyguards things. So I'm like, holy crap, there's Sniff Dog in the magic shop here. So I'm like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I stroll up to him. I'm like, hey, Snoop, want to see a Trizic? <laughs> oh and God. he about lost it and showed him some stuff and he was floored and then he got me backstage passes for Lollapalooza and, um, you know, went backstage the next night there and did magic for him and all of his friends and some of the other artists there. And then some of the other people that I've done magic for, um, like Tori Amos, Alanis Morissette. Um, your sister was with me when I went backstage with Jason Mraz and did magic for him. Um so yeah, bun- bunch of people. Yeah. So it's kind of kind of cool. It's I think what it's what's nice is these musicians they're on the road all the time going from town to town with these concerts and these tours and it can each city can kind of be redundant. It's the same thing over and over, but if you are able to provide some type of uniqueness or something that they might enjoy to make the stop and the tour stand out, then it's kind of cool. So, um, so yeah, enjoyed uh, doing all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always love telling people that because if I'm like, yeah, my brother-in-law um, does magic. They're like, oh yeah. Like he knows a couple tricks or like, <laughs> and I'm like, no, he's done magic for like, like big time people. Like yeah. he's not just like, Hey, let me show you this fucking <laughs> have a card and like, cool i'm gonna pull like fake flowers out of my back pocket or something yeah it's it started out that way yeah but i mean i started out when i was five years old Uh, my parents gave me a little plastic magic set for my birthday and by that spring i turned our garage into a stage so we had bed sheets hanging down from the top and every friday night the neighbors would gather around watch this little five-year-old do magic tricks for them and then I would say when I was around 16 or so, I started to really study the psychology of magic where something could happen right in front of your face, but you wouldn't realize that it happened right in front of your face and like misdirection and different theories and different principles. And then um, from there, I started inventing magic tricks that other magicians on TV perform. Yeah. You made a trick that um, you named after me, right? I did. <laughs> I did. So the crazy thing with inventing magic tricks is that you never know when the solution is going to come to you. So it's, inventing a magic tricks is a lot like solving a problem. So you're thinking and thinking and thinking of things, and sometimes the answer just doesn't come to you, but then it just comes randomly. So there was this one trick 
of mine, or not of mine, it was a magician out of Columbus, Ohio, named Nick Trost. It's called uh, Matched Pitcher Cards. And it's my all-time favorite card trick. And there's a little part in it that I thought could be improved. And I always wanted to improve it. So for years and years and years, this trick has just been in the back of my head, like, how can I make this work the way that I want it to? And then all of a sudden, I was uh, eating Skyline at the Skyline location on Coleraine Avenue. <laughs> and I remember the booth that I was sitting in. It was just random. I just bit into a cheese coney. <laughs> And then the solution to this card <laughs> trick just magically appeared. I wasn't even thinking about it, but it just magically appeared. And I I had cards with me at the time. And I'm like, wait a minute. Does will this actually work? So then I like pulled my cards out at the table and at at Skyline. And sure enough, it did. So uh, I, I called the trick uh, Scalini time because you call Skyline Scalini. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I named it Scalini time. Um, the the kind of sad part about this story is that I was so excited that I finally found this solution after years and years of thinking about it that uh, Nick Trost, the gentleman who actually invented the trick, I was going to see him in like February. So it was like two months away. And he passed away before I was able to show him, you know, my trick, my take on his trick, I should say. But, uh, but yeah, he, he was a great person and an amazing mentor. And uh, I'm just so happy that I was able to figure that out to kind of honor him whenever I perform that trick. Oh, damn. I never even knew that. Now that makes me feel yeah. like extra excited about my little trick yeah. that I've just stolen and just said that it's mine. Yeah. I guess I just do this. I did the same thing with his song. I was like, yeah, that's my song, even though it was written like <laughs> way before I ever came along. I'm like, that's my song. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So how old were you when you got your magic set? Like five? Yeah, I was like five. I didn't know yeah. that like your neighbors came and watched you perform and stuff too. Yeah, my mom pretty much forced them to. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't really have a say in the matter. Why am I not even surprised? Yeah, by me this? either. <laughs> what do you think is like I don't know. What have you ever like totally bombed or like screwed up a trick or something? Um I'm sure I have, but the nice thing with most magic tricks is that the audience doesn't really know what exactly is oh, going yeah. on. That's so right. even though I know that, whoa, I totally lost their card in the deck or this trick totally went south, um, there's always some kind of way that I can recover from it. And that just comes from years of practice. But yeah, there's been many failed card tricks in my lifetime but that's what uh practice is for so <laughs> true do you who is your favorite person to perform magic for or that you have like it could be anybody like based on their reaction or like who's it, most excitable it depends um 
sometimes performing for magicians is a lot easier than performing for other people, like standard general public, Mm -hmm. because you know what the magicians know, so you can use their knowledge against them. So say, for example, if there's like the standard card move, right? And it looks a certain way. Like I'll act like I'm doing that move and it'll look like I'm doing that move and this magician will see that and think, oh, he's just doing that move. But in reality, I'm doing something completely different. (laughs) And so you can really catch them off guard by using their knowledge against them. But performing for the general public is uh, cool as well because oftentimes people don't get to see good magic live in person Mm -hmm. and just kind of making their day and making them smile and forget about all the troubles, especially nowadays that's going on. Just let them take a little vacation from reality for a little bit is, uh, is nice. Do you remember the first time that you did magic for my, um, sister? (laughs) I do. I do. (laughs) Yep. Uh, yeah, that's how uh, that's how I won her over. Yeah, with, uh, with the card trick, I uh, there's a, a card trick called the ambitious card, where a person signs their name on the card and you put it in the middle of the deck, and it keeps coming back up to the top of the deck. But uh, I teased your sister a little bit when she put her name on it, and I think that's what won her won me over to her, and uh, I'll let her. Tell that story in detail if yes. uh, she wants when yes. she's a guest on here. That that story, I won't give too much away, but that story cracks me up extra because you don't drink. Right. You've never drank in your entire life. Right. Um. So she was like out drinking and I think it teased you because she was like, she thought that she had blown it or something because she was like, oh, like, just do a drink. And you're like, I don't drink. She's like, everyone drinks or like something. (laughs) And then when she found out later, she's like, oh my God, like, I probably look like such an (laughs) asshole. And then she was extra blown away by the car (laughs) trick because she was drinking too. Like she, oh my God. Yeah, I have to have her tell that story because it's hilarious. But yeah, that always makes me laugh. Yep. Yeah, that's the interesting thing with magic is it opens up a lot of doors for you as well. Like I'm an only child. So I was super, super shy growing up, like would not talk at all, even to like my relatives pretty much. But with, uh, with magic, I was able to help with my communication skills and really help me, you know, open up to other people. And that's helped throughout my lifetime here. So yeah, there's uh, a lot of stuff that I owe to magic, yeah. which is uh, beyond just learning card tricks. What do you like? So what are you doing with it now? Like, what do you want to do with it moving forward? Or what do you see yourself doing with well, it? What's interesting now is with the environment, there a lot has changed where you used to be able to go and perform magic face-to-face and have people pick cards and touch cards and things of that nature, put coins in their hands. But now you basically have to rework all of that. So it's hands off. So if I have someone pick a card, uh, they have to pick a card in a way where they don't have to touch the cards. And then to take it a step further, 
with everything being virtual, it's okay. How can I perform magic over zoom? How can I, um, change the methodology on things so that I can do magic over, uh, the internet versus, uh, face to face. So it's some interesting, uh, challenges, but, uh, really let you explore your creative side. So, um, so that's what I've been working on. There's a few different things that I invented where it's strictly things that you can do over zoom or like for Instagram or on FaceTime or something like that, where you don't have to be in person to, uh, perform the magic. Yeah. Um, that just reminded me of when you sent me a magic trick through text and you're like, hey, mm. do you have a second? And I was getting ready to go out. And I was like, yeah. sure, what's up? You're like, I want to do this magic trick. And then you got my email address. And I wasn't yeah. allowed to check the email until the end. But you had me think of like a celebrity, like for a celebrity right. that comes to mind, blah, blah, blah. I had to answer a bunch of questions. I forget what else it was. And then when I opened yep. my email, it was a picture of the fucking celebrity. Mm-hmm. And I like screamed. It was like, wait a second. Yeah. Because it was so vague and like broad. And then I was like, okay, well, he's just testing something out. Like, I don't know what he's going to do here, yeah. but I can't like look at this email. Yes. That was, that was version one of uh, me testing out something. So that was like probably back in March or April. Mm-hmm. So right when uh, the lockdown kind of started. Mm-hmm. So basically I have someone think of their favorite movie and then think of an actor, actress that's in that movie. And while they're thinking of that, I send them an email and I say, hey, make sure you got the email, you know, partly because I, I'm a bad typer and probably typed the address wrong, but, but uh, make sure you got the email, but don't open it up. So then think of a movie, think of an actress in that movie, go ahead, what actress or actor are you thinking of? They say whoever. And then when they open up their email that I sent them before any of this, and they even verified that they received it before any of this uh, photo of that actor actress is in the email. So, yeah, um, hacking emails is a side thing. <laughs> Dude, that was so awesome, too. And then, like, my, I'd get on Instagram later and my reaction to your trick was on your story because I always lose my mind. Like, right what the fuck? And you're like, yeah, just did this trick. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I'm always, I feel like me. Oh my God. My dad would always lose his mind too. Whenever you would do a trick for him. Yep. Yep. I got your grandma. Good. Yeah. Really good. What did you do with Graham? Um, so I had, I had two decks of cards with me. One was a blue back deck and one was a red back deck. And I think I was using the blue back deck uh, for all of these tricks. And your grandma just, you know, as a side comment was like, uh, I bet you couldn't change these to red or something like that. So I secretly switched out the decks so that now the red back deck is on the table and the blue back deck is in my pocket. But no one, no one saw me, you know, do this. And then your sister and I were about ready to leave. And right when I was walking out, I said, oh, by the way, turn those cards over. And they turned them over and they were all red back. And she like freaked out, like how in the world? Dude, you okay. Know? I 
as soon as you start talking about tricks like that, like the color, mm-hmm. I remember that. I didn't realize that she was there. Yeah. Because you guys left. It was right. like we had had dinner or something. Right. And then me, mom, dad, and Graham all sat there just stunned. Right. And then you're like, oh, yeah. And then like, wait a little bit. Like you're walking out the door, like wait a little bit, flip them over and they'll go back or something. Yeah. And then we did and we're like, what the fuck? He's not even here. Yeah. And now I know the secret. Yeah. But oh my God, I will never forget that. That yeah. and then the the solo cup trick where you had like the two cars and you were like, uh, and then they f- flipped or whatever. Yeah. That's that's one of those things where you have to, and this is true in life as well, is you have to take advantage of opportunities. So say for example, I could make up a trick where a ham sandwich <laughs> appears, right? you know, out of thin air. Like that's, that's a decent trick. Like, you know, nothing in my hands, snap my fingers, Hey, ham sandwich. Right. But it would be even better if someone was like, man, I am starving. I wish I had a ham sandwich and then snap my fingers. Boom. Ham sandwich appears. Yeah. Right. Same trick, but the context makes it a hundred percent different. Yeah. So you're like solving a problem you know, using magic versus just making a sandwich appear. So that was one of those opportunities where when she was like, you know, I bet you couldn't turn those to red or whatever, where I'm like, all right, well, I got to do it now. You know, you leave me no choice. So, uh, Oh, Graham. God, I forget how long you've been on the scene. I know. Like that's so wild. Like you saw, like, First of all, I didn't realize that you even did my homework. Thanks for that. Yeah, um, thanks for doing that project. I, I don't know if you got a passing grade, but it was mm, completed. It was probably my only passing grade in that class, if we're being <laughs> honest. Um, but like, God, you've seen like all of that. Like yep. me and like, wait, how old was I when you, was I in high school when you met me? Yeah. Cause you did your singing thing in the auditorium Oh yeah. As you well. were at my talent show. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you were on the scene for that. We're talking like MySpace days. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. And you saw all my boyfriends, too. Yep. All of them. All of them. Yep. Oh, no. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it was entertaining, you know? Dude, you have to just see, like, the whole evolution of me. That's so weird to think about. Yeah. When did you guys start dating? Um, Two... Like your senior year. 2007. 2006. No. Yeah. It must have been like 2006. It was 2006. Okay. Dude, you know what's funny is I told people though. So like my only ex that I'm like, oh, it would actually be good to see him. John. Yep. Was like the nicest. His family was so nice or whatever. He moved to Florida. And when you guys had your honeymoon (laughs) and your Jeep broke down. Yep. And I called John like, hey, um, so Renee and Ryan are stranded in Destin. Uh, Can you help? And then he didn't he come get you guys and like you guys went to lunch and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So at least there was one good one. in the mix. That's right. (laughs) He's still awesome. But aside from that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about it. (laughs) There was also a time, though, that you did convince my dad that like one was decent. Yeah. I had to have a talk with him. Yeah. Yeah. Because he we were. uh painting his room upstairs Mm -hmm. and I had to go upstairs in your house and be like, Bob, come here. Mm -hmm. Look, this one's all right. Okay. Take it easy. You know? So, uh, 
So yeah, I tried to have your back. Yeah, thanks for, for that. That yeah. was like a pretty cool moment because I obviously never had a brother. Right. And so it was just like, oh, damn, someone's going to step up and have like the man talk. Because, you know, my dad was like hard to talk to sometimes. <laughs> but that particular boyfriend, I couldn't bring around for a year uh, because he was a cop. This is probably dangerous territory that probably. I'm treading right now. But yeah. uh, we, should, we should stop. And yeah. Do another Anyways. Talk. Yeah. Where's, where's that card deck? <laughs> it wasn't a, a fan of him. We can edit this one out. But yeah, that My was two favorite apps. Well, sure. Yes. We'll edit this out, but yeah, um, yeah, that was really funny that you had that talk with him. Yeah, because I couldn't bring him around for a year. Yeah, and it was just like this is ridiculous. Yeah, because when Renee and I met him way before he came around to mm-hmm. your parents, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went and watched some like UFC fights or something. That was oh, just yeah, really yeah. funny to think about because yeah. I because I just remember I didn't know about the talk and then. He was like, all right, like, I guess you can come over or something. Right. And then Renee was like, yeah, so Ryan talked to dad. And I was like, he did what? (laughs) (laughs) That's the scariest thing ever. I was just pretty much like, well, I guess he's never coming around and I'm okay with it because I'm not having this conversation with him. (laughs) So that's pretty hilarious. Yep. Um, Okay. Well, moving on. What? Okay. So you and I share a pretty crazy story. We do. Um, so I was blessed with the opportunity to experience a home invasion. Right. What was your fun adventure that you got to experience? I got carjacked at gunpoint. Yay. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so fun. When did that happen? So fun. Um, it happened in the, let's see, I think I was 25. Yeah. I was 24, 25. When, when that happened. Dang. Yeah. Where were you? It was uh, a Sunday afternoon, sunny day, 2 p.m. And it was in Tri-County, like Springdale. There used to be like a value city out there on Kemper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in that parking lot. And what happened? Basically, I came out of the store and um, went into my car, put my bag in in my car and then i was like basically situating the bag in the passenger seat and then all of a sudden my driver's side door flings open and i'm like what and then a gun's pointed at my head and i'm like what <laughs> so then this guy's like you know give me your money give me your wallet give me your money because i have my wallet out So maybe that's what I was doing. I was like putting the bag in the passenger seat and then putting like money back in my wallet. Um, So it was one of those things where like my magic skills kind of came in, kicked (laughs) in where if you're thinking about it, if you're sitting in the car in the driver's seat and the door opens and a guy is standing in between you and the door, right? And he wants something in your hand. If I just give it to him, he's still standing right next to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to push me over to the passenger seat, hop in the driver's seat and take off. If he's just going to pull the trigger. I was like, in like nanoseconds, I had to, to say, how can I get this guy away from me? So I had the wallet in my hand and I like tossed it or skipped it, I guess, underneath my 
driver's side door. So now the wallet and my money were like by my driver's side front tire, Mm -hmm. right? So on the other side of the door. So for him to get it, he had to go around my door and go by my front tire. And then when he went around my door and was on the other side of the door, that's when I bailed out of the car and I turned around and that was the first time that I noticed that they had another car parked behind me and the driver of that car had a gun on me. And that's where I like raised my hands and just kind of like walked like, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> like, I don't want anything to do with this. And then the dude um, got my wallet, got the money, hopped in my car. Both of those cars took off. And I was just like, what just happened here? And then just ran into the store like, I just got carjacked. You know, call the police, call the police. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. I never knew that there was a second guy. Yeah. So they they had my car blocked in. So even if I were to put my car in reverse, I couldn't go anywhere. I was I was blocked in. So what happened after that? So the police came, took down all my information. Like I'm in hysterics. Like I don't know what's going on. Um, my parents were weren't at home. They were having dinner with, uh, or lunch or dinner with uh, other family members at Newport on the levee. So I had the girl that I was dating at the time drive me to Newport on the levee because my parents didn't have a cell phone at the time. So there's no way I could contact them. So I show up at Newport on the levee and they're like, and I found them and they were like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I just got car checked at gunpoint. I had a gun against my head. You know, and they were like, what? So then what was scary is that because the guy had my wallet and my keys and my car, he knew where I lived and had the keys to go in my house. Oh God. So then it was a matter of like, Got to change, you know, deadbolts and locks and all of that stuff. And I mean, it's so crazy that for something that only took, you know, less than a minute, like we'll say 30 seconds, Mm -hmm. 40 40 seconds, maybe, um, just how much that affects you for like years Mm -hmm. and years and years and years Mm -hmm. afterwards. Yeah. I mean, it it was to the point where, like, I couldn't sit in a parked car um, in a parking lot without, like, my legs shaking and me looking all over the place. Um, It it was just crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, like, the craziest thing that I, like, for me, like, to think about. Like, I still deal with a lot of stuff, and that's Mm -hmm. been, like, three years, I think, now. Three. Um, And that's, like wild because like I don't notice it until like someone else is around or like little things come up um or like when I was traveling earlier in the year and I boarded Tyson and it was like the first time I was alone in my apartment like having like since I had him and then I realized how quiet it was and I was like whoa this still like really really bothers me um and yeah, it's just like like I used to have like big laundry baskets that I would like put against like I would Like, I still do it, 
where it's like my laundry is like perpetually like in and out of hampers. Like there's like the dirty one and then there's like a bunch that are clean. And I kept that habit and never used to be like that. But like I did that on purpose. So like I would put those up against my door. So it gave me some sense of security and I put a lock on my door and I'd sleep with my lights on. And I thought that that was normal. And now like I still have like my laundry is always full like that because it's like I don't do that anymore. But like I still that's still there. And I'm like, that's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's crazy. Um, it makes you have irrational thoughts because I mean, how many times have I sat in my car in a parking lot and that didn't happen mm-hmm. to me, right? But you know, once it does, then you know, it's uh it, it plays uh plays mind games with you. Mm-hmm. And um it was weird, like it, the FBI ended up getting involved with it because they thought they might have crossed state lines up into Michigan with my car. And then I had to meet with like a sketch artist and do all of that. And then, um, and then, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, pretty, pretty crazy. Did they ever find your car? They never found it. And there were things in the car. Like it wasn't that I was just losing a car. There were, things in there that were like important to me as well that like I'll never see again. So it's that. And then the other thing is just how people react to you when you're in a situation like this. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how people react it with your situation, but um, I would tell some people what happened and all of a sudden they turned into Chuck Norris and mm-hmm. we're like, well, if that would have happened to me, I would have done this, 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 and this. And it's just like, no, you wouldn't dude. No, oh, you yeah. wouldn't. So it's, it's one of those things where like people need to realize that like feelings are meant to be felt. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I mean, if something traumatic happens to someone, you know, don't, underestimate their feelings or underscore their feelings by saying, Oh, how come you didn't just punch him or kick him or, you know, do whatever, because like, you'll never be in that situation. You'll Mm -hmm. never be in the exact situation that we were both in. Yeah. that triggers me really bad. Or like when people have been through a similar thing and act like it didn't phase them at all. Right. It really fucking triggers me because it makes me feel like they're saying to me, like, that I was like a coward or like that I like that I'm like weak because like I, it, it bothered me so much. Mm -hmm. Like when I hear that shit, it like really, like I can't even talk about it because it's just like, dude, first of all, and then like how you said, and it's just like, I don't believe for a second that it hasn't affected someone in some small minuscule way. Like there's no way that you can go through that. Even if just for a split second, you're like, Oh, like, I don't know. And then like the same thing. So it's like the people that are just like, oh, I don't think that would have bothered me that bad. Like, so what big deal? And it's like, okay. And then you have like the big guys that are like, man, if that guy would have broken into my house, uh, no, you wouldn't. Cause you're probably the same dude in Harrison driving the jacked up truck because you're overcompensating. If you wake up to a dude at the end of your bed in a ski mask, like yeah. I did, yep. dude, no, you're not, you were going to turn into a little girl. Like there's no, like, yep. and it's like, and that's the thing is it's just like, obviously like I grew up boxing. I grew up with my dad, you know, yep. you knew my dad, yep. like that situation. I thought that I 
would have like been totally prepared for that. You're never fucking prepared for that. I was so yeah. frozen. I I am amazed the fact that I was even able to like properly call 911, right. keep my composure and like make that happen because and then it's just like and then you always hear too like people are uneducated. Like one of the things that like whenever I tell the story I try and talk about is it's like okay, we grew up with fire drills, tornado drills. Like now we have like lockdown drills, mm-hmm. but no one has ever taught you what happens if there's a home invader or a carjacking, how do you react? Right. I only learned all those things after it happened to me. And then I went deep into the research because I was so fucked up from it that I'm like, how do I make this never happen again? Or like, if this guy right. comes back since they never caught him, I'm like, I was so set on like the fact that he's going to come back. And it's like, how do I prepare myself for next time? And they say that the way that you react in the first several seconds that it determines how violent it turns. That like, that's obviously a super violent act, especially for you. Like I never saw a weapon. I assume he probably had one because who breaks into a home without some sort of like something? Like that's pretty brazen. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's like, you don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, like if you, if someone's coming into your home, basically like it, it turns violent. Like they're, they're very, very violent things. And how you respond initially is like, what's going to determine that. And people don't realize that. So it's like, okay, Chuck Norris, some dude breaks right. in or holds a gun in your head and you try and be a hero or try and outsmart this dude or think you're Billy badass. Like that's a really dangerous move. Cause those people are desperate and like, no. Right. Yeah. So yeah, people don't teach you how to respond in situations like that. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side, people don't teach like friends or parents mm-hmm. how to respond when like their, you know, son or daughter, you know, goes through these things. So it's, uh, it's difficult, mm-hmm. you know? What do you think would have helped you? Like, I think for me, it was, um, it was almost like, it was, it was almost like the feeling like, all right, yeah, this was a bad thing that happened to you, mm-hmm. but uh, it's in the past mm-hmm. and you need to move on, you know, with your life, like mm-hmm. kind of suck it up and, you know, move on mm-hmm. where um, like therapy really wasn't like popular as popular. Mental health wasn't mm-hmm. as popular back then as it is today. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was like, like a stigma. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're, you're weak or something yeah. like that. But oh, yeah. I mean, I support therapy and anything to improve mental health 110%. So I think if um, dealing with something like that or going into therapy, then mm-hmm. could have uh, definitely helped. But uh, I mean, because it was years and that I would think about this every single day of my life. Mm-hmm. And um, even nowadays, like I'll catch myself, you know, thinking about it, you know, just randomly. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's weird how, again, like something so quick, like less th- than a minute mm-hmm. can affect, you know, not only years of your life, but also like relationships that you have mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like I had to go and like, I lived with mom for like a few months after that. And like, even when I came back like that, like sense of just like someone's come in, like it just makes you feel so 
like violated and just like everything's tainted. Mm-hmm. Like it just like you just feel like so I don't even know how to explain it. But yeah, like that's I don't know. That is like a thing that people just are like, yeah, that happened to you. It's over. Get over it. And then right. it's like, but then I'm at the mall and someone steps too close to me on an escalator and I freak the fuck out. Like then people are like, what's wrong with you? And it's like, dude, like, and then it would surprise me because I remember I tried to, because you know, like me and Renee, your mm-hmm. wife are like both try to be hard asses. Like, okay, yep. yeah, this happened. Whatever. Like that's the same <laughs> reason. Like I still live there, which everyone thinks is so insane, but it's like, I'm like, nah, I can, I can do this. It's fine. So, like, I tried to go to the mall and I had plans with Mandy and whatever. And I was like, I need to go get my makeup, whatever. And then, like, when I went to the mall, like, by myself, it wasn't even, like, 24 hours later. And I'm, like, walking around and, like, people getting close to me and, like, dude getting on the escalator and, like, just walking to my car and feeling like people are following me. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is probably not a good idea. But the best thing for me was, like, Mandy still got me out because she was like, I know you're looking forward to, like, still doing this. Like, we'll pick you up, stay the night with us. And that was, like, the most comforting thing is just, like, not having to worry about driving. Like they just kind of took care of me. I slept on her couch and like, she was real sweet. She kept coming in and like checking on me. And, uh, cause I was still like jumpy, like barely slept there. Cause I'm like, okay, like what's the story here? Yeah. Like you just, like, the irrational thoughts you talk about. Cause I'm like, is he going to come in here? It's like, right. how would he know where I'm at now? Right. But it's just like, I almost, fa- I remember too, like I still will double, triple check all my windows. I never open my windows cause there's like no screens and this, whatever. So it's like, I never open those, but still at night, I'll check to make sure they're locked. I'll check the front door, check the back door. And I remember thinking like, is there anywhere else that someone can get in as if they're going to like turn into the secret world of Alex Mack, where she would turn into liquid and go under the door. I'm like, is there anywhere? Can they get through the vent? Can they Santa Claus get in? Yes. Yes. That's how I felt. It's like, it's so irrational, but I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think that's affected you like with having kids now that you have kids? Um, Cause they're not even mine. And I'm like, right. I'm so extra paranoid now. Yeah. It's, it's a different layer. I mean, it's, um, you're obviously looking out for their safety. So it's, it's mainly, yeah, just making sure doors are locked once you get in your car. Like, lock your door. Um, I, that's one of the things that, uh, when we first, um, had them and we're like putting them into, you know, buckling them into child seats and stuff like that in the car is, uh, just, I noticed how long it took to put a kid in a, in a car seat and buckle them up. And I'm thinking like, like this is a lot of time with like my back to you know the rest of the world because I'm facing you know my child strapping them in and it's one of those things where like if that didn't happen to me I wouldn't I probably wouldn't even think about that mm-hmm. but I'm thinking like counting down the seconds like it took me 38 seconds you know to you know strap her in and everything mm-hmm. where that's an opportunity that's time where someone could have easily snuck up behind me mm-hmm. and, you know, did something. And then it's like, oh, crap. If they did something to me then, now it's not only me, it's my child mm-hmm. as well. So it just makes you think differently about all kinds of different things. 
And it's crazy to me too, because it's like my friends will think that I'm really paranoid. Um, and it's, it's interesting to me that people that haven't gone through anything like that, like how naive they are. Right. Um, or like you just look at them and it's almost like, what a luxury, that ignorance. And <laughs> it's like not even trying to be a bitch, but it's like, wow. Like even just like with the passing of my dad and stuff, like the the things that people complain about or like the the way they take their family for granted and stuff. And it's like, I'm sure I was guilty of that plenty. But it's like right. until you've experienced those things, like you don't have a clue, dude. You have no idea. Uh-huh. Like you said, like how you're going to react in these situations or what you're going to do or people are like, oh, just get over it, whatever. But it's just like the way people are so careless or like even like people that just sit in their car and text and stuff. Right. I remember before that even happened to me, I had heard a story of a girl that like, I think she was murdered. She's either missing or she was murdered, but she like was in her own driveway, but like got home and was just taking an extra second to text. And then like someone ripped her out of her car and then yep. she was done for like, it's like a big no, no. And people yeah. do it all the time. And I just all think of time. like, and people are so consumed in their phone. Mm-hmm. Like after that happened to me, like I am like, I make a point to like, not when I'm walking around and getting somewhere that I don't have my face in my phone. Like, it's just like amazing to me. Yep. Yeah. And then I sure. just think like, you don't think like that. <laughs> like, am I just a complete psycho now? Or are you guys just like, really just like head in the it's, clouds? It's a fine line because we've been through things like this, but then at the same time, you don't want to live your life in fear Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's kind of interesting where it's like, all right, this, this happened, but I can't live in fear my entire life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could, but I choose not to. Right. And that's where you really have to, uh, cherish every moment that you have with like loved ones, like, mm-hmm. like you were mentioning, especially, you know, with like your dad passing away because you never know like when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's been a, been a roller coaster yeah. for sure. Yeah. I feel like that's the thing too, is like people live under the umbrella of like, Oh, well it's in the daytime. I'm in a nice area. I'm, yeah. and I always tell people, I was like, you know, like with home invasions, they always told me that that, like majority of those happen during the day when people are at work. Right. Well, it didn't happen in my case. And I live in a nice area when I moved in. That was like one of the things like, I'm just like, I don't know. Like I owe a lot of my street smarts to my dad, but I like literally called like the police like department in that area. Like, Hey, what's the crime like in this area? Like, what's this, what's this apartment complex? Like, what's the story there? Is this like a safe place to move in for like a single female? Yeah. Yeah. No calls, nothing. Like if we do, it's just like dumb stuff. Like someone's boyfriend won't leave or like there's an argument. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, and then it happens there. It's like, there's no time, place, whatever that's like exempt from yeah. crime. It happens everywhere. Yeah, Crime doesn't clock in and clock out. Mm-hmm, no. You know? Because again, like mine happened on a sunny Sunday at 2 p.m. in the mm-hmm. afternoon. So. Yeah, it's crazy. So I don't know. What else you got? Any hot tips for people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean. It's, uh, did you read any books or anything that like helped you out? Like since Um, dealing with this? Not really. Like my thing was, I was just reading a lot of, or did you like think differently about it? I read a lot of articles on like the, how to empower myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I, so I 
like got a bunch of door alarms and it was just more of like how to be proactive about this happening again. I went and got my concealed carry. I took a class um, for like, you know, how to take care of a weapon. And uh, like, basically he was like, he's a veteran. So like he taught like a lot of stuff about like, just like smarts like that too, outside of just like your weapon. Um, But like, I don't know, like I really didn't read a lot of books. Like I honestly just like, I don't know, would just like read articles about like what to do and what to not do just in case it happened again. What about you? Mine came later, but it was a lot of um, mindset things. Like there was a book called The Surrender Experiment by a guy named Michael A. Singer that really helped helped me out. But then there was I started digging into like old texts, like uh, uh, this Tao Te Ching from Lao Tzu from like the 1800s or before. And there was a thing in there that I always think about. And it talks about how you should be like grass. So imagine, um, imagine like dead grass, right? Like it's all dried, brown, hard. Like you could pick up a, a blade of this dead grass and like snap it in half, right? It's all dried out. It's dead. It's hard. But then think of the opposite where it's like manicured grass, like golf course quality grass, right? Mm-hmm. It's green. It's alive. When the wind blows, it flows with it. And it in the book, it says that you should remind yourself to be like the grass, where if you're hard and like set in your ways, like that's no way to live. That's like dead. Mm-hmm. But if you are able to be flexible in things and kind of go with the flow, go with the breeze. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to live. So I always think of that. And because when this happened to me, I think some sort of like anxiety also, you know, creeped in and having these irrational thoughts, but there's so many things that you can't control, right? Like, it's crazy how little amount of control that we have during a day. Like, if we're driving down the road and we're minding our own business, we have no control over if the car coming the other way is going to cross that double yellow line, Mm -hmm. right? So, it's a matter of just going with the flow and whatever thoughts that you have that are out there, um, just kind of seeing where things take you. Mm -hmm. Like if you're starting a business like you did, right? Like who would have thought when you started, say, down to earth cosmetics that we would be here doing a podcast, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So there's so many things like with a business plan, like going back to them that you can like plan out, but you never know like what's going to happen. You could think something's going to happen and you could have like 50 different outcomes. Like, um, you know, this, this could be successful. This could, I can move to Chicago, this, 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 and this. But in reality, there's only one of those outcomes that's going to actually take place. Mm -hmm. 
and it might not even be one of the ones that you have in your head. Yeah. Like having a podcast. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I really appreciate and admire how you kind of like go with the flow with, and and you're living that green grass (laughs) and just seeing where things take you with your business and with uh, the podcast and everything else. So it's been cool watching you along this uh, little Rachel journey. (laughs) Oh, thanks Ryan. That's like so nice to hear because I just feel like, I don't know when you're in the middle of it. I just, you just, right. I don't know. I feel like I've been that brown grass for a while. And then I think I just like got tired of that and was just like, this is no way to live. Like there was like a year there. Like I talked about, I talked about it in my last podcast of like, I got like, especially with like, it was like lost my job or like lost dad, lost my job, home invasion. And then it was just like a shit show. And like that first year it was like, okay, I got to get through the first holidays, the first birthday, the first, all this stuff. And I thought I did it. And I got to the end of the year, like I made it. I'm good. I did this nonprofit stuff. I filled this whole year with just like being strong and whatever. And then I was like, oh my God, I have to do this all over again. And that's where I fell into a trap with like some really bad people and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, I just became the dead grass. And I was like, okay, I can't be doing this forever. Yeah. Who had home invasion or carjacking? In their business plan, you know, so, <laughs> who had a pandemic in their yeah, exactly. business plan. Hey, thanks a lot for that, Ryan. You didn't tell me that was going to happen <laughs> to my bar in Destin. That never happened. It was in there. It I love that. There. I was so obsessed with Destin, Florida. I mean, it's, you a, were. it's a great place, but now I think I've moved on to St. Pete. I think it's my favorite. <laughs> Still Florida. <laughs> Just another sandy beach. But all right. Well, what else? Any final thoughts? Just uh, follow your dreams, kids. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, don't uh, get carjacked or home invaded. Lock, lock those doors. Lock your doors. And your um, apartment and cars. Yeah. And don't sit in your car and text. It's a bad idea. Yep. Be mm-hmm. aware of your surroundings. <laughs> well, thanks for doing this, Ryan. Did you have fun? Absolutely. Is there anything else you wanted to add? No? No. Okay. We're, we're we good. covered everything? Yeah. I think we did good until round two. Yeah. Yeah. Would you come on again? I might. You might? <laughs> okay. <laughs> great. <laughs> I can't wait to get Renee on here. This is going to be so great. But all right, Ryan, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for always being there. Like the brother that I always wanted but never had until you married my sister. And now it's like... I. Always have you in my corner to help me with like my business and yeah, it's great. We, we can talk about business stuff next time. Yes. Okay. There we go. All right. Done. Yes. Round two until next time. I, All right. Thanks. Oh wait, well, where can people find you? Uh, just follow me on Instagram, Ryan Swigert at Ryan Swigert. So. All right. There you go. There you have it. Over and out. All right. See ya.